chapter thirteen of concerning isabel carnaby this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org concerning isabel carnaby by ellen thornycroft fowler chapter thirteen the country of conceit safe screened by hills on either hand from winter storms and summer heat there lies a silly little land the country of conceit one afternoon not long after isabel's visit to chayford paul was having tea at the farley's house in prince's gate and lady s dale was there also looking prettier than ever paul was feeling particularly happy as he had done ever since isabel had made herself at home among his own people she had fulfilled even his ideal of her and consequently he was content he had yet to learn that the fact of a woman's being an angel in may is no ground for supposing that she will be equally angelic in june or even angelic at all isabel with her fatal aptitude for taking her tone from her surroundings was as earthly in london as she had been heavenly at chayford that is to say the outward and visible isabel was and poor paul with all his love for her as yet lacked the wisdom to understand her thoroughly it always seems a pity with regard to love-making that when people are old enough to have learnt the game properly they are generally too old to want to play at it in this respect it is inferior to whist isn't london adorable just now exclaimed isabel everything is in such a rush that one has not time to think about anything rather a doubtful advantage i should say suggested paul not at all i hate thinking it makes my head ache replied isabel flippantly paul looked surprised and puzzled was this the same woman who had sat beside him in chayford chapel and sung there is a land of pure delight he did not know that isabel's character was as yet so unformed that she was frightened at the depth of her own feelings and that this was a feeble protest on her part against an emotion that was threatening to overwhelm her lady estelle shook her head mr seaton is right it is shocking not to have time to think the other day i was actually putting on a gown for the wallingford's dinner that i had worn there once before simply because i was in such a hurry that i had not time to give proper attention to my wardrobe fortunately my maid happened to remember in time but think how awful it would have been if i had worn the same dress at the same house twice in one season dreadful agreed isabel it is wonderful what an effect clothes have on one's character personally i have not the courage to show myself if i do not feel i am suitably attired a characteristic which i inherit from my first parents lady farley laughed i think our conversation is greatly affected by our clothes she remarked i can never administer a social snub properly unless i am wearing either fur or diamonds and i couldn't possibly pray in a hat or without a veil i quite agree with you caroline said lady estelle i cannot bear to see a married woman of my age in church in a hat and yet the unmarried ones look all right isn't it funny that a little thing like getting married should make all the difference between wearing a hat or a bonnet on sunday 
very funny replied lady farley but great effects do result from small causes constance they certainly do i came upon an instance of that only the other day the featherstone howe's cook died suddenly and so mabel featherstone howe was sent off straight to the ellisons as anything of that kind in a house is so unpleasant you know of course it is remarked lady farley with her satirical smile lady esdale continued willie phillipson happened to be staying at the ellisons at the same time and was so taken with mabel that i shouldn't be surprised if he made her an offer it would be an awfully good match for her and yet if the featherstone house cook had not happened to die just then she and willie might never have met each other paul laughed this speech was so exactly like lady esdale and its flippancy did not irritate him at all but he was conscious that if isabel had said such a thing he would have felt more angry than he could express isabel also was conscious of this and resented it she argued that if paul really cared for her he would approve of everything she said and did paul on the contrary argued that because he really cared for her it was agony to him when she said and did the things that he did not approve of consequently in speaking of a woman the word consequently is applicable here had it been a man that was referred to such an expression as strange to say would have been better consequently isabel ran full tilt against all paul's prejudices and theories aunt caroline is right in saying that our conversation depends upon our clothes she said mine is entirely guided by them oh no it isn't ejaculated paul you are talking nonsense pardon me my dear sir i am not i must know better than you do what are the sources of my own wit have you never noticed that i am subdued in black poetical in blue innocent in green and brilliant in yellow and what in white asked lady estelle with interest white i never wear aunt constance for the dual reason that my hairs are dark and my years are many but it is so economical persisted lady estelle if you wear white people never remember it and they never remember me either added isabel i look so very plain in it i am afraid we are shocking mr seaton said lady estelle sweetly he looks so serious but that is the worst of men they despise us if we try to look nice and they ignore us if we don't come lady estelle we are not quite as bad as that lady estelle sighed yes you are and then again you hate us for getting old and you laugh at us for trying to keep young you really are tiresome creatures paul was amused i own we are hard upon you when you tell fibs about your ages because such fibbing seems so foolish to us when will women learn to be as proud of being old as they are now of being young when men admire old women as much as young ones and not a moment before replied isabel smartly every one laughed i believe men really care as much about their clothes as we do about ours continued lady estelle only they don't talk about them as much but that is because they are so reserved and queer i have noticed men never talk about what they are thinking about isn't it funny of them i expect it is because they are so clever they can't hide what they feel 
the fools care about their clothes but the clever ones are too clever to see that they are not clever enough to be independent of trifles said isabel throwing the gauntlet down before paul but he was too wise to pick it up just then though he knew perfectly well that it was there so she rattled on i wonder if it would be possible for a woman to love a man well enough to condone his excellencies and to pardon his virtues love has accomplished some wonderful parlour tricks i admit but i don't think it has ever gone so far as to throw a halo round a man with a conscience don't you said paul dryly i fancy you somewhat underrate the powers of the little blind god and overrate the folly of your own sex don't have too much faith in my own sex advised isabel do not quarrel my children murmured lady farley the weather is too warm for anything but peace lady estelle rose she always left the room when any signs of a storm were brewing and therefore had the character of being a peacemaker i must be going she said i have so many calls to pay this afternoon good-bye dear people lady farley went downstairs with her sister-in-law and left the lovers to themselves there was a moment's silence and then paul asked whatever possessed you to talk such nonsense as you have been doing this afternoon you didn't mean a word of it isabel pouted she did not like to be scolded she was not accustomed to it i did mean it i'd as soon talk to a man with a hobby as a man with a conscience they are both boring you wouldn't and you do yourself an injustice when you say things like that isabel felt really cross now and then paul's superiority irritated her and she kicked against it this was one of the occasions i wish a touch of human nature was added to the thousand and one excellencies which beset you she said it would make you more amusing in this world without in the least interfering with your chances for the next i am human enough goodness knows no no my dear sir believe me you flatter yourself you are a rechauffe of king arthur and jack the giant killer flavoured to taste with extracts from the fairchild family paul smiled somewhat grimly nevertheless you were kind enough to select me as your future husband not unless i might have another for working days your grace is too costly to wear every day but you will be just the thing for sundays you are very cross this afternoon said paul trying to be pleasant but now you are coming for a walk with me and that will do you good no i'm not paul looked surprised why not you said that you were i dare say i did but i've changed my mind but why it is such a lovely afternoon and it is now cool enough for walking isabel looked at paul from under her long eyelashes he had been disagreeable and she felt it her duty to punish him she was a strict disciplinarian where her lover was concerned and never let her own feelings hinder her from giving him such chastisement as she thought needful to do them justice however it is but fair to add that her feelings were very accommodating in this respect and rarely attempted to stand between paul and the consequences of his misdeeds on the contrary they rather enjoyed the fulfilment of the decrees of inexorable justice i don't want to go out this afternoon because lord wrexham said he might call she replied 
inexorable justice was satisfied the sentence if out of proportion to the crime was exactly suited to the criminal isabel was a connoisseur in punishments the victim was silent for a moment then he said you ought not to have made any engagement for this afternoon after you had promised to go out with me your time was not your own i don't care whose it was anyhow i mean to take it and use it as i like but you have no right to isabel laughed bah who talks about rights nowadays nobody has really any right to anything except sufficient earth to bury them i shall do what i want then do you mean to say you want to stay in and see lord wrexham isabel nodded confound him said paul savagely there you are human after all cried isabel triumphantly i always said i was it was you that stated the opposite if you remember there is no doubt that the point is now proved beyond dispute but it is my statement that you have supported not your own i think jealousy is a disgusting fault said isabel i think so too but that doesn't cure it at any rate you will admit that it is extremely human isabel shook her head sorrowfully though she was really enjoying herself immensely it is very wrong and horrid and so like a man i believe the reason why paradise was paradise to adam was because he was the only man on the ground very probably and the old adam is so strong in me in spite of your remarks to the contrary that i mean to be the only man on the ground too you've got a horrid temper paul you are like the man who always quarrelled with people till they liked him you will never make anybody do what you want if you go on in that way oh yes i shall there is only one person in the world that i wish to do what i want and she will do it in twenty minutes from now isabel tossed her head oh dear no she won't oh dear yes she will how shall you make her i shall not make her she will do what i wish her to do partly because it is right but chiefly because i wish it and she wishes to please me isabel's face grew very red you are simply vile and detestable and altogether horrid i am quite aware of that and therefore it is all the more wonderful that a woman who is simply delightful and brilliant and altogether charming should be ready to do as i wish isabel shrugged her shoulders nothing will induce me to go out this afternoon nothing paul smiled and was silent isabel stamped her foot i'm not going to walk about london with a nasty disagreeable man and i tell you so once for all paul looked at his watch sixteen minutes before we start i do not want to hurry you but i know you like plenty of time to tie your veil and to see that your hair is all right isabel looked very cross you are the most detestable man i ever met that may be but as i remarked before your feeling is what the old hymn terms well dissembled well i do hate you all right if this is hatred i am well content with it and i would not change places with the people whom you love for worlds isabel looked at herself in the glass if there is one thing i despise more than another she remarked to her reflection it is a woman who does what a man tells her again paul found refuge in silence and smiles isabel hummed a tune out of patience twelve minutes before we start said paul apropos of nothing isabel stole a look at him what should you do if i didn't go she asked 
paul pulled his moustache to hide a smile you would soon see what i should do he said cautiously he had learned that the terrors of the unknown evaporate with fuller knowledge so he did not enlighten isabel moreover he would have found a difficulty in so doing as he did not know himself what should you do she persisted like the story of old grouse in the gun-room my programme is all the more effective for not being told i don't believe you know what you would do don't i though and there was laughter in paul's eyes besides he added what is the use of providing for impossible contingencies it is the impossible that always happens said isabel except when it is the unexpected corrected paul isabel pulled a yellow rose out of her belt and began picking it to pieces why are you so keen on making me go out with you this afternoon she asked because i want to enjoy the pleasure of being with you and because every man has a right to his own then you don't care about my pleasure pardon me i care so much about it that if i thought it really was a greater pleasure to you to stay in and see lord wrexham than to go out with me i would never ask you to go out with me again but i don't think so and that makes all the difference you are jealous of lord wrexham that is the long and short of it said isabel possibly replied paul dryly i never heard such rubbish and isabel plucked at the rose with impatient fingers paul looked at his watch again just five minutes he murmured as if to himself i hate you cried isabel stamping her foot i know you said so a short time ago and i told you that your hatred was the best thing in life if you remember repetition is not argument my dear isabel isabel did not answer but in spite of her hatred she ran upstairs and put her hat and gloves on and was down again before the twenty minutes had elapsed and she did not know that while she was out of the room paul picked up the remnants of the rose she had played with and kissed them before he slipped them into his pocket-book people generally called paul seaton a hard man they would have changed their opinion if they had seen his face when he kissed isabel's shattered rose but paul was not the sort of man to kiss roses when there was any chance of being seen when isabel came downstairs she looked so nice that paul pursued the same course of treatment with her that he had pursued with the yellow rose and with even greater satisfaction to judge by the expression of his face why do you like me so awfully she asked because you are you and because you are mine haven't we been horrid to each other this afternoon paul smiled i have been horrid but you are never anything but charming sweetheart oh i know i'm none the less charming for being horrid sometimes and to tell the truth neither are you i believe that we are both nicest when we are nasty and that when we hate each other we love each other the most then they both laughed and went out and walked along the unfrequented and grassy ways of the park are you going to the fulfords to-night asked isabel no they haven't asked me are you not if you are not i hate the parties that you don't go to to adapt an old bull you spoil half the parties by not being asked to them paul shrugged his shoulders it is my misfortune and not my fault for i am green with jealousy of every living soul who is invited to a party where there is a chance of meeting you 
isn't it funny said isabel meditatively how one person can make such a lot of difference paul seaton goes away for a day or two and london becomes as sparsely populated as the steppes of russia and as desolate as the great sahara paul seaton comes back again and the place is as crowded as if it were the scene of a jubilee procession or a royal wedding thank you said paul simply i'm going to bring out a new arithmetic book continued isabel with problems such as these take one from five millions and only one remains and that one is yourself and very lonely paul laughed and isabel rattled on add one to two and the result is still two for the one is sadly de trop and so is shaken off as soon as possible what a clever mathematician it is said paul fondly you are rather a swell at mathematics yourself aren't you asked isabel i wasn't bad at them when i was at oxford yet my dear paul you are very slow at putting two and two together i have often noticed it because that is a higher branch than those in which i was proficient but wherein have i failed lately to satisfy the examiners on this score you don't always understand women me i mean do not blame oxford for that there was nothing in the least like you in the mathematics that i studied at the varsity they were dull stupid things with reason in them how horrid and when you put two and two together they invariably came to four continued paul can you imagine anything more tame and uninteresting nothing now what is the result of putting two and two together when you are dealing with me paul thought for a moment then he said sometimes five and sometimes a million one can never tell all one can tell for certain is that the result never will be four the only conclusion it is never safe to arrive at in dealing with a woman is the only logical one which do you like best me or mathematics my dear child what an absurd question which do you persisted isabel paul grew serious when i was at oxford i liked classics better than mathematics and rowing better than both of them after i left the varsity i began to care about power and success and fame more than about rowing now i love you more than power and success and fame put together with all the kingdoms of the world thrown in my dear old boy i only want to succeed now in order that i may have the more to offer to you continued paul i feel that money is worth getting because it will give you ease power because it will give you rank and fame because it will give you pleasure i used to care for these things for their own sake now i only care for them for yours and consequently i care ten times more for them than i used to do and am ten times more keen on winning them by jove if only i had edgar ford's chances wouldn't i make my wife one of the most envied women in london yet edgar will never do much said isabel i know he won't that is the pity of it if i were in edgar's place with all his advantages i would be in the government before i was forty as for him he will either not go into parliament at all or else throw up all chance of office by figuring as an independent member as if a great empire could be governed by a bundle of fads edgar is really an ascetic said isabel edgar is really an ass said paul isabel shook her head he is a perfect angel in some things 
and a perfect ass in others repeated her lover it is not always easy to tell the difference between an ass and an angel remarked isabel it confused balaam a good deal don't you remember when he thought that it was only an ass that was hindering him on his journey it turned out to be really the angel of the lord and balaam's is not an uncommon mistake sweetheart you are ingenious i was only trying to keep you from repeating balaam's blunder paul sighed it is the sort of blunder to which i am prone i should have been irritated with the creature if i had been balaam i know you would you are always so sure of yourself and you cannot bear to be thwarted but you shall be my angel dear and always stand in the way when you think i am wrong you could turn me back from anything isabel but you like edgar don't you isabel asked like him i should think i do i consider he is one of the best fellows under the sun and i have the greatest respect as well as affection for him but i cannot help thinking that he uses the microscope too much and the telescope too little figuratively speaking i know what you mean paul went on he is so strange his moral eyesight with splitting hairs that he is incapable of taking in a large general effect and he is apt to confuse prejudices with principles and crotches with creeds he is not content with conforming to the spirit of the law he will obey it in the letter as well i do not think you are just to edgar said isabel possibly not i am so much impressed by the necessity of attaining what is good and the impossibility of rising to what is perfect that it irritates me to see men neglecting an obvious duty for the sake of an impracticable dream do you think there is any danger of this in theoretical people i do replied paul of course i know that it is better to build a cathedral than to make a boot but i think it is better to actually make a boot than only to dream about building a cathedral it is far nobler to do great things than small things i admit but it is nobler to do small things than to waste all one's time in wanting to do great ones and to end by doing nothing at all edgar certainly is a theorist edgar was born several centuries too late continued paul in the early days of christianity he would have been an heroic martyr in the middle ages a cloistered saint just after the reformation a consistent puritan at the time of the evangelical revival an ideal early methodist but in the nineteenth century as the intellectual son of a wealthy merchant there seems no place for him you and i on the contrary are very modern aren't we paul old-fashioned things such as wigs and cowls and martyrdoms would not have been at all becoming to us and then the lovers fell to talking about themselves and forgot edgar and everybody else in their absorption in the subject under discussion End of chapter thirteen